Futurecast. Welcome into MTP Boston. It's Mike Markdangel, joined alongside by my guy, the real DK, Bob Kelly, an OG here at MTP, back to the old days of the Sunday Night Sports Wrap. Uh, we're talking Patriots' shocking victory, Steelers' shocking defeat, uh, a little Celtics, and then I think we're going to end with some uh, with some Shohei Otani thoughts. Uh, but before we go all the way into it, how we doing, Bobby? How, how are you feeling about what you saw on Sunday? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm about what I said as as a as a whole on Sunday. A little like preview of the power ranking show is the NFL is just a fucking shit show right now. Like I don't know what what the fuck is going on in the NFL. Um, but Thursday is just the epitome of what's happened in the NFL. Is like if you were to tell me what if you were to describe what was Sunday like, I'd be like, well. The two and ten Patriots beat the seven and six Steelers, and that was their second straight loss to a two and ten team. And that kind of summarizes what the entire NFL season has been so far. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, a hundred percent. So let's get right into it. I mean, Thursday night football. We had the uh, the Patriots going into uh, into Pittsburgh, and <laughs> you know th- this game beforehand. Uh, Ray and I were talking last week, and. Uh, like this is, you know, Leah. I apologize in advance. Um, I this is the first time in in my, I I would say like lifetime that I was watching uh, before the game. I was like, you know what? I don't need the Patriots to beat the Steelers, but I think they're going to, because they always do, for whatever reason. Now, uh, uh, we have Mike Tomlin's three and ten career against Bill Belichick and the Patriots, including the playoffs. We had Bailey Zappi, who came out slinging. I mean, in, in that first half, he looked like a formidable quarterback against what, what most people, I guess, would say is, you know, a pretty good, pretty good Steeler defense. Um, and they got up to a, a, a really early lead. So you're watching the first half, Bobby. I think the score is 21 to three. What the fuck are you thinking? Um, so, like, two things. A, it's very Steelers. So, the first halfway isn't isn't a, a difference from much of what we've seen so far from the Steelers so far this year. You know, like the first half, um, it, it, it's like famous on one of the podcasts I listened to that like betting the Steelers to lose the first half but win the game is one of the best value bets that you can make in the NFL right now because it's just so it's it it almost happens every week. Um, however. <laughs> You can't give up 21 goddamn points to an offense that hasn't scored a touchdown in what 70 drives it was, right? It, it, it a long time, a very long time, very long time. They that 21 points was the average of or the total of what they had scored, like what the previous five weeks, four weeks. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, three to four weeks. I think what's most important is this, <laughs> this is the first game since I think. The uh, Dolphins game, which was week two, where the Patriots scored touchdowns on back-to-back drives. Oh, my God. That's so bad. Um, yeah. I got, so I got to say, I got to give Zappy credit. Zappy, they look good. But I don't, I don't know, man. And you could feel it in the stadium, too, because it was in Pittsburgh, where, like, 
the air was out of that goddamn stadium so fast. And, you know, I, I think it did have a lot to do with what happened the week before to them losing to a two and 10, it was the Cardinals, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, the two and 10 Cardinal and they just knew what was coming. Um, but the Patriots did. I almost feel like Belichick is almost purposely taking at this point because like that second half was just like the complete polar opposite. of Yeah. So I was going to say like, yeah. do, do you think uh, before we get into the second half though, why, why is it? Or why do you think that the offense with a with a full week of preparing as as the number one uh, quarterback, why did it look so different with Bailey? Because the eye test, right? Bailey isn't that much better than Mac. Like he he isn't. He doesn't have this his throwing his throwing power is the same. His accuracy isn't as good. But the offense looks better when he's quarterback. Why? Confidence. I'd say that's the number one reason I got. Um, you know. It, Mac Jones, we know he's he's more talented than what we saw. We saw him play better football than this. So obviously there's more to it than that. And I just think with Zappy, man, I mean, you saw it. Bill O'Brien, I feel like, has like kind of connection with Zappy a little bit. Uh, you saw like that post-game hug. Um, and then just the coldest handshake I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Melichick. That's the point. Um, I just think they have more confidence in him. I mean... I don't think Belichick gives a fuck. I really don't. I really don't think he cares. Um, but I just think that's got to be it. Confidence. Number one. You know what I mean? Like, what other reason would there be? Because obviously, he's not more talented than Mac Jones. Like, period. He's not. So, right. But you see, like, uh, under, in this, off, in, like, in this game plan, they, now they had to because Ramondre's up, but Zeke was the star of the show. 22 carries, 68 yeah. yards, with seven catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. I mean, Juju Smith Schuster again, yeah, that first catch for 37 yards, uh, but he finished with four for 90. Like they looked like an, an actual offense, obviously, in the first half. Um, the second half, though, do you think that they were playing scared, or do, do you think that that was the coaches not wanting to necessarily win the game? It seems, it seems like they're tanking to me, man. I mean, yeah, I don't. Um, but I mean, they, they, I mean, football, it's really hard to tank. So I guess they're not technically tanking. But yeah, I, I think they played not to lose the game. I don't think they definitely didn't keep the foot on the pedal. You know what I mean? It was a completely different offense in the second half than it was in the first. You didn't see throws down the field. You know, Juju Smith Suster, it's so weird to say the full name, Juju wasn't running 20 yard outs in the second half. At all. You right. know what I mean? Like that that play that happened in the first half, the biggest play I've seen from the Patriots all goddamn year. Um, literally what wasn't being ran in the second half. It was just run, Zeke, you know, dump out to Zeke. That's where most of those catches came from. So um yeah. I just think they definitely changed that whole offense completely. They let the Steelers right back in it, you know, and they did have a couple of bad mistakes too. So it's so weird to me that that the majority of the offense uh, in, in that first half, which is obviously the majority of the offense in the entire fucking game, came from Bailey throwing what we would consider like 50-50 balls that Mac won't throw. He won't do it. Now, he Mac's, Mac only throws 100% one way. Either he knows that the receiver is going to catch it or he knows that the defender is going to get both hands on it and it's going to be a pick, right? But in that second half, 
we saw that I think Bailey only attempted seven passes in the second half. I just find it hard to believe, though, Bobby, that a team <laughs> in its first 12 games, only won two of them, is good enough to actually tank. Do you know what I mean? That's fair. That's fair. It feels tough. I think that this game was more about the Steelers, which I want to I want to talk about, than than the Patriots. As you said a couple of uh, times, right? Back to back losses to then two and ten teams. Do the Steelers make the playoffs? And like in your opinion, because they should not be on the power. As you mentioned tomorrow or whenever the power ranking show comes they'll, out, so they'll I never be on that goddamn. They'll never be on that list again after this. Yeah. I want to I want to mention them now. Like how how bad of a above 500 team is this it's it's the worst offense i've ever seen with a with a winning record by far and it's it's literally not that close you know what i mean it's it's literally the worst offense i've ever seen on a on a winning team is that yeah. there's literally not even like you know it sounds like an exaggeration it sounds like being like oh fuck no bro it's the worst offense it's so bad it had it had glimpses here and there, but like consistently, it's the worst football ever. I, no, I don't, I don't. I don't really remember what the two thousand Ravens offense looked like because their defense was so elite. But do you think this is this is worse? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. At least the Ravens had Jamal Lewis, and yeah. But I mean, know, it's, it's not about the players, though, right? It's not about the players because. The Steelers have threats. They have Najee Harris. Pickens. They have Pickens. They have uh, Deontay Johnson. They have uh, Pickett, who should have been a good quarterback, and turns out that he isn't. But Mitch Trubisky might he's really be bad. he's really bad. <laughs> be the worst top ten quarterback in the last thirty years. It's a Mitch. The Mitch Sons, as named in our fantasy football league, is the Dark Ages. So no, no Renaissance. It's, I lost. It's bad. I lost the, to the Dark Ages this week. So thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, but because you know you are like you're not a Patriots honk like I am, or an avid Patriots fan uh, like I am, I want to ask you this question. So the Patriots are now three and ten. It kind of looked like the team still has some buy-in. Does this change your opinion? on whether Bill Belichick is back next season. And I'm going to add a second part to that question. Do you think that Kraft will let him go? Or is he going to hold out and try and get compensation for him? If Bill wants to leave, I think he's leaving. Um, is he technically under con? He's still under contract, right? So he would have for next year. I think he'd get compensation for him. You have to. He's the greatest coach ever, man. You yeah, can't but let do him you think that Bill nothing. Let's say he doesn't want to leave and Bob Kraft wants to wants him out. Now you can fire him and pay him the twenty five mil next year to go coach somewhere else, or you can try and trade him for a compensation, like for a pick. But if Bill's, do you think Bill would want to do that to a team that he's going to give up assets to get him? Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's the situation that we're in now in New England. Is that's crazy? All the liability is on is on Kraft. He. If he wants Bill uh, Bill Gaudi, either has to pay him twenty five mil next year to go coach somewhere else, or hope Bill allows like a what do you think a third a fourth round he's no longer worth the first. That's do you really think he really wants to? So the word on the street is that he wants him out. Is is that that's what's happening in New? 
bills bills on the way up. Well, I don't know if you caught any of the Army Navy game or like the build up to it, uh, but on college game day, uh, he was on there and McAfee. I don't know if he knew that there was a live microphone near him. He uh, he went up to Kraft and said, "You know, I have, I have so much respect for you. I, I I just I don't envy the position that you're in right now. We all know what you have to do." What does he mean? <laughs> I mean, obviously, McAfee's trying to get the sound bite, but but again, so you're 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 the Patriots organization. It's now been two years. Two, so last year, Bill decided that you know what, offense doesn't fuck quarterbacks. They don't they don't mean anything either. All we need is an elite defense. They go eight and nine last year with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, and then he. You know, we, we once talked about if you want to learn how to kill a franchise in two years or less, like read about the Houston Texans after being up 17 points against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But if you want to wreck a first-round quarterback, just look back at what Bill Belichick did to, to Mac Jones. Not only the last two years, just this year. He benched him four times and <laughs> trotted him out there. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I've never seen anything like what he did to him this year. Never seen anything like it. It's because you don't do that. You, you're you're gonna wreck a quarterback by doing that. So yeah. now you're crapped. What do you do? Do you think he fundamentally thinks that the Patriots need to change and to get away from Bill? Or has, like has I guess the question I'm asking because I, I think I'm too in it, but from an outsider perspective, is there a chance that Bill can build this thing back up for the Patriots? Not with his current Okay, that's a good way to frame it. Because I think if you're craft, you got to look around the NFL. Because this is what I've been saying, you know, since like beginning of the season. It's like there's this era of coaches right now that seems like they're kind of getting phased out of the game. And unless you're going to adapt and bring in, you know, minds that will actually evolve your offensive mindset evolve your your game plan you gotta change it you know what i mean that's 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 how i look at it if you're craft you got to talk to bill see if bill is willing to open up and, and consider other aspects of football if if he's if he's rigid he's like no no you know bill belichick just have a fucking talk then yeah you, you gotta you gotta you gotta change it you have to, so because so this, that, this way is not going to win you a championship. You don't have the goat anymore. It's not going to work. <laughs> you know, it's just not. You have so along that line of thinking. Like if you're crafting, do you think uh, Belichick can change? Bill, Bill Belichick added someone to the 53 men roster last Thursday to help with special teams, and he put Malik Cunningham on the practice squad again, and he was just claimed by the Baltimore Ravens. The significance okay. of that hey. is, is now I don't know if, if Malik Cunningham was going to be anything. Who knows? But here's what I know. John Harbaugh is thinking about keeping four quarterbacks on his roster that all play similar to Lamar Jackson, just in case anything goes wrong. Bill has had 18 transactions this year of quarterbacks and has only had two in the active roster at once. He doesn't, he doesn't value quarterbacks. How do you change that? How do you change that line of thinking? Because, you know, for him, he didn't value Tom. But again, in 2000, 2001, he had Tom there as, as the fourth quarterback on the roster. Where the fuck is that guy? 
Not here. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's weird too, because it's like, so I, you think it's, you think it's like the, the, the goat combo, that whole thing in his head where he's just trying to prove that he can do it without a quarterback and how or high water. He's doing it without a franchise quarterback. So the way that I think about it is I don't think Bill is so concerned about doing it without Brady. I think Bill doesn't think that Brady was the reason that they want to begin with. <laughs> that he just plucked him out of, out of obscurity and put him in, uh, and, and put him in uh, on a team that, that, could, that he could work with. And Bill, they had a number one overall pick the year before, right? 5-11 and 11 with Drew Bledsoe. Almost the exact same roster comes back the next year. And they go 11-5 and five and win the Super Bowl. So in Bill's mind, it's not, oh, we just got the right court. We, we got a quarterback. It's, we just got the system. Like the, uh, the, this guy can play within the system. I think he yeah. believes that. But that's why, Brady went, that's why Brady went on and won a Super Bowl the year after he left, right? Was, but yeah. yeah. Listen, I, <laughs> I, I, full, I full heartedly agree with that. Like it, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. So then now having that little conversation. Do you think Bill Belichick is open to changing the way he thinks about the game? And can he build back on, on, with the new Patriots? Or does he have to go somewhere else? History tells me he's not. I, I, you know what I mean? From, from what I've seen and what I've experienced the past few years, he, he's definitely not. He, he's trying to take the old brands that worked and implement them into today. And that's not going to work. He tried to have that two tight end thing with Hunter Henry and Janu Smith. Now he's trying to go all defense and have this run game, and it just didn't work. It fizzled out three years in a row. You know what I mean? And the Cam Newton experience, bad. The whole thing has just been bad. Granted, yes, they've stayed kind of relevant in that time, but it's like he keeps trying to trot out these same methods that are proven not to work in today's NFL. So unless he shows me something different, I don't think he can, personally. I really don't. And also, like in the last three years, Belichick has spent six draft picks on special teamers. You know that that one part of the game of football that the NFL is trying to basically uh, make it irrelevant. I mean, you, you can't you can fair catch on any kick return now, and he's spending fucking jap- draft equity on on gunners and on special. Yeah. Teams. It's it's embarrassing. Yeah. It really is. Which leads us and, to and this kickers subject. and kickers that are just not even good. It's, Which is odd because he he typically hits on kickers, you know. Like that's why I feel like things are off. The, the positions that he typically hits on, they're not there anymore. Bill always hits on running backs. It doesn't matter what round they're they're in. They don't have a backup for Ramondre besides Zeke, and I don't even know who the third running back is. He hits on corners. Their corners are kind of getting torched. I mean, yeah. Christian Gonzalez got, got hurt, but kicker. I mean, never mind. That's, that's another rabbit hole. So after two straight games decided by officials one way or the other, Kansas City and the Swifties come into town on Sunday. How bad of a beating do you think that they're going to lay down on the Patriots? Or do you actually give the Patriots a chance in this game? Uh, no, they don't have a chance. <laughs> so let's get that, let's get that out of the way. Um, I mean, we'll see what the offense does. You know what I mean? I don't think the Patriots are going to be able to score on the Chiefs. I really don't. The Chiefs defense is really good. But 
we'll see what the offense does. It's possible this could be like a 13 nothing game based off of what I've seen from the Chiefs lately. I, you know, their offense instills no confidence in me. So it's very possible it's a low-scoring game. That's how the Patriots can win. They're not going to. But that's how they can possibly win. It should be noted that three Patriots wins this year have come against the defenses of the New York Jets, the Buffalo Bills, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> so... For some reason, they have a knack for beating teams with, with statistically good defenses. I agree with you. I don't think that this, uh, that this week is going to be one of those. I think that if there was ever a game that uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey were going to try and remind the rest of the league just exactly who the hell they are, it's this week. Like This is still this is a chance for Andy Reid and, and the Chiefs to beat up on the team that constantly gave them nightmares uh, for the 20 years prior. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game by by Kansas City metrics, but I think honestly, first team to twenty wins. I don't think that Patriots are going to get to twenty. I think we're going to, we're going to see something like thirty to seventeen in favor of the Chiefs. That feel right? I think seventeen is pretty generous, man. For the Patriots, yeah, I'd say I'd I think it's like twenty four. Well, yeah, but what if twenty four to ten? Sounds what if what if it's thirty to ten in the final two minutes and they just go and score a drive? Like it's, I mean, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. So I don't know for those of you that are listening and not watching, uh, you're not going to get this reference, but it, it looks like Bobby is dressed. The, the next topic, um, which is our Boston Celtics, the sixteen and five Boston Celtics. Yeah, man. Uh, coming off of, of a week where they were eliminated from the uh, from the in season tournament. Uh, they had a close game with the Knicks. I want to start with the uh, with the in, with the in season tournament, but also I want to paraphrase. I want to uh, uh, put context to it. So after the game, or, or before the Knicks game, Missoula was talking a little bit about uh, what it meant to the team, and he said, "quote We're really uh, we're really fighting for that mindset and that identity that that is that things can be important all the time. Yeah, we're pissed off that you don't get a chance to win it uh, to win it." But we have to fight for that mindset all the time. That sounds like a different Missoula than the, the Missoula from last year. Yeah. So, how do you think he's handled, uh, you know, being eliminated from the in-season tournament? Uh, and what does it say about the difference uh, in his coaching from uh, from last year? So, uh, I do think that he has a different mindset. Where last year seemed way more hands off. Um, you know, where it seemed like he kind of didn't want to step on what Adoka had done and he was trying to instill his game plan. And like, it, it seemed like he was walking on eggshells a little bit. So it does seem like his mindset's a little different this year, for sure. Um, I I personally think the the coaching staff has a lot to do with it. Where yeah. it's, 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 he's not looking over his shoulder. He's not sitting here wondering who has his back and, and you know, we've all been in situations where coworkers and things like that um, don't necessarily support you or, you know, have, have different motives or, you know, are trying to make themselves look good, whatever the case may be, where that definitely weighs on you and your performance. So I think having people that are there strictly to support him and that and, and he knows that has a, a night and day difference because he can focus on being him and being the best coach possible, in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's really what's happening. How much of it, because I, I agree with that, how much of it do you think is also that last year, because he didn't have his guys around him, 
he was it was almost like paralysis by analysis right like he he thought about having to do too much and then he didn't yeah, do anything for sure for sure now now you had you have selected coaches that are there to with, for their specific reasons and he, i don't know what uh what his coaching style is but i don't i don't know that it's x's and o's i don't know that it isn't it feels like it's more motivational like just to make sure that you're there for your guys you, you get your guys up um and he doesn't have to to do things that are not uh, in his style like you said um well, yeah. and i think the big thing too is connecting with the players honestly is like I don't think Missoula is necessarily there to. He's not like a Doka where he's going to, you know, breed these guys into men and be the guy that's going to lead them and, and, and or have this connection. Well, it, it, yeah, fair. Um, but have, have, have that connection with him. But I think that's what he relies on. Like I said, a guy like Sam Cassell to do, where like he has guys to fill the spots that he can't do. So after being limited by the Pacers, the Celtics, they go in to beat the next 133-123 in a game that we saw Jalen Brown get ejected and Derek White really took over. He scores 30 in a game where we absolutely did all of his points. So what were, your, what were your, like, your takeaways from this game, knowing that one of our stars, one of our big three, was removed from the situation that you see some, you know, I would say a lesser known person uh, outside of Boston, just kind of took over. Yeah, uh, Derek White is definitely making himself known as a top-notch player in the NBA. Maybe not top-notch, but like at least top what top forty, top fifty at least. Um, yeah, and, and that definitely wasn't the case before this. And I, I, it's great to see because you know two three years ago we were calling for this guy's head. Uh, Ray kept telling us, you know. Be easy, be easy. Derek White's real, man. Just let him let him do his thing. He has, and he's been everything Ray's promised us, man. He he's he's awesome. Um, I've been seeing him getting love for All Star votes, which I think is really cool. Um, if that actually comes to fruition, that'd be really cool for him because, you know, he he's he's ten times better than the player than I thought he was. I don't know about you, but like I did not think that this was what Derek White was, and and no imagination when we traded for him. That I think this is the guy we were getting. Yeah, I mean, you you hit it on the head. Like Ray was telling us two years ago that this is a guy that one day could be that could drop thirty for you and bail you out, and he does. Like I, I when we got him, I was thinking, okay, this would be a good uh, bench piece. Like he'll score like twelve points a night, something like that. But as as a starter, you know, he could be someone that, that you count on for eighteen points a night, and if he's playing, you know, thirty five minutes, like that is that's huge for the team. Uh, what do you think about the the JB ejection? Soft, super soft. <laughs> I, I I just like he said. I find, it, I find that when you say less words on a podcast, it makes for better content. So I appreciate your your your. Uh, your well, your point no, 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 no. I'm I'm elaborating. I'm elaborating. Give me a second here. No, it was just super soft. Where it's like, oh, even JB said it. You know, if you're gonna get ejected. At least let me get my money's worth, bro. Like it just it happens so fast. And like it just it didn't feel like it warranted in that quick of a you know what I mean? It just I don't know, man. It definitely didn't feel like he needed to get ejected. And it, it, just hearing him, he's like, bro, like 
if if, if I'm gonna get ejected, let me let me do my thing. Let me go off at least. Let me throw some punches or something, <laughs> man. Like that. So who's bad? Also, the game saw the return of of uh, Christoph Porzingis. Um, how happy were, were were you about uh, about his night back? He put up, you know, he put twenty one. He was light on the boards, but he played uh, you know thirty minutes. So I, I think if you're looking at someone who's been gone for, well, he was he was out for what a, a week and a half. Week and a half, yeah, week and a half or so. Yeah, it it it, it didn't feel like there were any lingering effects uh, from from the injury. But you know, again, what, what was your take on that? He's got to be healthy. He did look good, especially for his first game back, hundred percent. But this team is not a championship team without Porzingis. There's, there's right. just no beating around the bush here. Like without him, this team's not winning the championship. So the goal for him is to be healthy. So you know, I wouldn't push him too hard at this point. You know, let him get healthy. Let us get in a groove again. In my opinion, I think they should cap the minutes moving forward a little bit um, because he's so vital to this team. Man. There's no, you know, it, it's like. When we had Williams, even when we lost him, the drop-off wasn't huge because he wasn't really pivotal or vital to, like, what we do in the offensive are you, side. Are you sure it wasn't huge? Like, it was a game... He, he was a game-setter, a tone-setter when he was on the floor. Agreed, but only on defense. And I felt like we could kind of cover that up a little bit with with certain schemes and certain things we could do. Bro, without poor singles on the offensive side... It's a completely different team. We fall right back into who we used to be. He needs to be there for 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 the team as it as is constituted to to flow in any way whatsoever. So like he's so vital to this team moving forward. So you got to make sure he's healthy. He looked good though. He looked good. Keep him healthy. <laughs> so given that the goal right is to is to win in June, and he's never played in June. How you you talking about counting his minutes and managing his time? What is your goal for allowing? How many games do you want to see out of him the regular season? And if if you need to push him to secure a one seed, do you do it? Yeah. So, I mean, to an extent, right? I'd say sixty, sixty ish. Yeah, is where you want him. Yeah, it is where you want him. I think that's the good middle ground there. Um, Yeah, and and yes. I would. I think that one seat's super important. Um, uh, going against teams like Milwaukee or going against teams like Miami. Oh. I mean, I know, gross. I know, I know, you know, it didn't necessarily help last year, technically, but you want to have home court in those series. You know what I mean? You just do. Yep. So, yeah, if you can get the one seed, you push for it for sure. Um, but, Anything beyond that, I wouldn't. You know what I mean? I don't think you fight for two, three C, anything like that. One seed's a whole different story, but um, he's just so important, man. He's so important. Like, there's nothing you can do to fill that gap if he's gone. There's nothing. Your team's just W. Beyond the points uh, with him offensively, is, is it the spacing that you think makes yes. him so important? Yes. It's the spacing, and it, it gives us an opportunity to reset everything with him on the floor because that that's always the biggest thing to me with the Celtics is like they get really stale and they have no ability to to reset that where it's like they just keep going back to it and they keep driving into lanes that aren't there and they keep you know doing the shit over and over and over again 
when you have a dude like Porzingis, man, it breaks all that up because, you know, in between those ISOs is a dump into the post where all of a sudden all five eyes on the court, if you're on defense, have to have an eye on Kristaps Porzingis, which right. lets other motion happen. Which let, it just opens up so much more when it comes to the staleness of the offense. So when you take that away, it just lets all those bad habits creep back in. This is why, like, within minutes of seeing this team, within game, maybe not minutes, that's pretty quick, but within games of seeing Porzingis, <laughs> I was like, bro, this is what these guys needed. And it's like, yes, they can get redundant. They really can. We know they can. They get stale. We know that happens. When you add in a guy like that, who he, it's not even like he's just a dominant big man guy because he can beat guys down low, but he can yep. also pop out and hit a jumper. So that's why it's like he, he's so pivotal to have guys that when you're passing the ball, everyone's got to look at him. And if you take your eyes off Jason Tatum for a fucking second, that's a problem for you. You know what I mean? That's a problem. So it just adds so much more to this team. So is there anyone out there, uh, uh, obviously not to the extent that KP can do it, but then you would try and add to the bench in, in case something happens to Porzingis or for the games that we know that he's not going to be able to play all of them. Are there any other bench pieces that, uh, you know, in terms of big men or floor spacers out there that you want to see the Celtics go after this year? I mean, no one that's actually attainable, I don't think. Like, that would actually make a difference. <laughs> I, think, I think the biggest piece that you got to make a move for is a backup guard. Really? I know I'm a preacher truther. All right, listen, I know. It's your rookie of the year right there. He doesn't get it done for me any man anymore. Why? He's, he's, he's just so hot and cold. When he's good, he's amazing. He's amazing. But he can be so absent on the defensive side of the ball sometimes. And he's like, a, he's like, a, like a pale Eddie House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's, that's such a good comparison when you, when you watch them. It's it's a very good comparison, actually. But I, I I just think you need you need more you need someone who can actually stop someone in a playoff series down the stretch. You know, if if White's in foul trouble, if um you know Drew's in foul trouble, Drew's a little banged up, White's a little. You need someone else who you can go out there, and they're not just going to attack, 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 attack. Because you know it. Jimmy Butler getting switched on to fucking Peyton Pritchard with five minutes left in the game seven of the goddamn Easter Conference Finals is not something I want to experience, man. It's just not. So, like, I would get someone who could make another stop for you, personally. Sounds like you have someone in mind. I honestly don't. I don't. I mean, I wish I did. It'd be better content if I did. Let me find someone. We'll we'll edit this out. You know, please, but keep while while you're looking, can you? You please keep playing with your microphone. It's it. It just sounds sounds great. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> Let's see. I, I don't know if we're gonna edit this out. I, this makes for great content. I mean, it's not bad. Uh, but you're like, going to head right now. You would if if you had to make an addition to the bench, it would be guard and not not big. Yeah, I like, um, I can't think of his name right. You, a, you, that means you think Al's going to hold up. I do, man. And I just think when you have a guy like Porzingis, it takes 
It lets Al be who Al is. And you see it where like he doesn't have to, you know, put that extra effort on offense. He can save his knees for those big time clutch rebounds that we need him to get. He can save his knees for all that stuff. So it's like I just I I I think Porzingis adds so much more to what Al can bring to this team, man. And it, it, it yeah. That's why he's so, that's why like it keeps coming back. That's why he's so important because like exactly like that. Because without Porzingis, Al has to do more. And, and when Al has to do more, it takes away from all the good things that Al can do. That's why when Rob was out there, he was so big because Al could be Al Horford on defense and stop and beat and like do all that shit. If Porzingis is healthy, yes, Horford will hold up. Sure. The, the, the thought would be is that you get a, you get some of the bench to supplement in case Porzingis isn't healthy, and then you don't have to trot out a 37-year-old Al Horford for 40 minutes tonight, right? But even knowing that, you still think guard is the way to, is, is the addition to make? So I got a couple of names for you. So if, if it's big, I've heard Blake Griffin. I don't know if that's something that, you know, other people would like. I know I know Ray's mentioned Blake Griffin a few times, and that obviously yep. comes without a cost whatsoever. Um, I, I think he'd be a good addition. We saw what he can do, you know, in, in spot minutes here and there last year. So if he's open to having that role again, which I think he would be, he's not playing for anyone. So um, right. I think he'd be a good addition. The guard, though, if you can somehow work out a way, I don't know what it would take, man. If you can get a guy like Alex Caruso on this fucking roster, this team would be unstoppable. Unstoppable. That's the exact kind of guy I want. And Alex Caruso, where it's like, yes, he still brings just as much upside as what Peyton Pritchard brings offensively. Maybe even more. But so much more defensive upside. And you can put him on any guard in the NBA. He can stop him. That's the kind of guy I think that would take this team from like, favorite to a runaway favorite to win the championship. I just can't believe how far Peyton has fallen in your mind and your eyes. Like it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. You are all about him. And I, I would say offensively, he's only gotten better and defensively. He's the same. I just don't think he does what this team needs. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking. Listen, I love Percher. And I hope he has a great career. I always get him in 2K. Like, he's still one of the first trades I make every time, no matter which team I get. Starting point guard, six man. Yeah, I love Pritchard. I just think we need something different. I don't think in, like I said, I'm thinking, I'm not thinking regular season. I'm thinking when I get into the playoffs and the grind of, of game five against the fucking Bucks, where we're sitting here, our blood pressure's been 108 or been 150, whatever the fuck high blood pressure is nowadays. Um, yeah, not 108. Yeah, it's definitely not 108. It's like one, I think it's like one fit over 130 is high-ish. So like, like I said, blood pressure built like 150 for two and a half weeks. And all of a sudden, fucking Jimmy Butler or Dame Lillard is getting switched on to Peyton Pritchard. And Peyton Pritchard has to go one-on-one with him. That's not what I'm looking for, man. It's not. And like, I just... I'm nervous about it. I'm not gonna. I'm just nervous about it, you know, because I can just see it going bad. I can see the text flowing in. Why the fuck do they keep switching on Pricker? Can someone please fix this? Can we please fix this goddamn switch over and over and over and over? I can just see it. So just trying to be proactive and take care of that. Yep. 
No, I hear you. Uh, so the Celtics have five games in the next six days. Or sorry, in the next seven days. Two against Cleveland tonight, obviously Thursday. Two against Orlando Friday and Sunday. And then they get the Warriors. So they, they go to Golden State next Tuesday. How do they, how do they shake out of these, uh, these next five games? What are you looking for here? Are they losing to Cleveland right now? Are they winning? Well, that, that, this is no longer evergreen. But yeah, I, as of right now, it's, it's at halftime. It's uh, it's sixty to fifty nine, uh, Cleveland. Now they well, were I down, get, I get, they were down twenty two to four in this game, and they came all the way back to. I, was, it. I just think it goes to show how they were reacting to get knocked out of the in season tournament. You know, where it's like they definitely were a little shell shocked. Um, but if this is the team, you know what I mean. Seeing seeing them rebound like that, I don't see any reason why they should have like any lingering effects from getting knocked out or, you know, have, having that letdown. So I don't see any reason why they would stop doing what they're doing, especially with Porzingis back. Um, I'd say, well, how many games? Six and one? Five and one over that stretch? But lose to the Warriors. Yeah, so four and one? I, I could see losing to the Warriors um, at really? the end of it because that's, that's a tough, I mean, that's tough at the end of that stretch. But I mean the the Warriors this year, so they're ten and twelve, right? And last year that they, they didn't lose at home and they couldn't win on the road. They're they're not great at home this year, and they're not obviously not not great on the road. So out of, out of all the teams, why do you think that it's going to be the Warriors and, and let's just say like not the the Magic that they have twice? The Magic are always a thorn on our side. Always, always. It's always, always. Cleveland. And it's always the Magic. Always every season doesn't matter. Understand why it's always it was the magic before they were like because the magic are actually halfway decent this year they're not bad um but even I mean, before they're, they're, that it was they're like third in the league they're sixteen and seven yeah <laughs> Banchero man Banchero's the truth that guy is something and Franz no, hold on that's blasphemous I love Franz Franz Wagner is awesome um well he's not the truth yeah you're right my bad that is blasphemous um but no I just at the end of that stretch man so. If they can get through that magic stretch, right? They're both at home, so that's that's one of those weird things where you get a, a home and home with them for some reason. Um, You're straight home and homes. Yeah, it's it's really weird. I, I I've never seen that before. Where they just go bad. They're like, yeah, but we'll keep them there. Keep them there. Four um, home games against two teams. No big deal. Yeah, just, yeah, it's fine. Um, but then to to go out to Golden State after that, I just think it's going to be tough for them to get up. That's why. That's why. It's it's that game that stands out to me where it's like I've seen the Celtics do this. They're they're gonna be home. They're gonna take care of business, in my opinion. It, I don't think they'll have that letdown against the Magic. I don't. We'll see. But I don't because Magic are actually good this year. So I think they'll step up for those games. But going out to the West Coast after that, I think it's gonna be tough for them. And yeah, and, I mean to the four game homestand, dude. Then they go at tough. Golden State, at Sacramento. And then obviously uh, on uh, on the twenty third, it's against the Clippers. But fuck James Harden. So like, we don't. Well, I'm not worried about that. You know, like yeah. I'm not worried about that at all. And then Christmas Day Lakers. So that's that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Okay. Fun. Right, so well, yeah. you think four and one, three and two, at worst case. Yeah, worst case three and two. Worst case three and two. And I don't. See any reason why Joe Mazzulla shouldn't be starting the All Star game this year, or shouldn't be coaching the All Star game with the best record in the league? 
You know, yeah. I, I really, I really feel like this team. Well, I mean, Timberwolves have a better record than us as a as well. As best right record now. in the East. Best record yeah, in the yeah, East. You're right. You're right. Um, because as long as this continues, man, I mean, we even saw it without Porzingis. They were okay. In regular season, I think they can survive. And they keep this up. We're gonna be we're gonna be doing a lot of these podcasts, I feel like, in June and July. Hope so. Um, before we go, now this isn't a direct uh correlation between uh what I'm about to say and the Red Sox, but it's it's a it's a fucking direct correlation. <laughs> big, big news in the last you know, uh, day or two. Shohei Otani signs a 10-year, $700 million contract with the LA Dodgers. Interesting part about this deal, Bobby, is that he is deferring $680 million of the contract. It's so crazy, bro. Why the fuck weren't the Red Sox in on him? Why? Because Shohei, according to all, all the beat writers, Shohei offered every team the same ability to, to defer so that they could still build around him. So what does it say about how far they fall? The Red Sox, like they used to be in on these guys. Yeah. Why weren't they in on, on Shohei? It's so different now, man. And even like seeing, seeing the Yankees make the trade for Soto and like that used to be stuff that the Red Sox would react to with some kind of move or something, man. Something. Well, we we did this year. Not... We we then traded them Verdugo. Yeah, we gave right, right, and we we signed uh, Tyler O'Neill. Is yeah. was our was our comeback signing for Otani. Um, yeah, man, it's just it's sad. It really is because you're right. Where when it comes to a guy like that, like. The Red Sox used to at least be one of the guys that you'd hear about later. Like, whoa, the Red Sox came up a bit short on this one. They offered $680 million and not the full $700 million, Or they didn't want to go the one I... Bro, we're, not, we're out. What are the... We're like, the Red Sox could be interested. Next day, Red Sox no longer interested in Otani. Will not be in on the bidding. And you're like, what the like, fuck just happened? Like, I could understand. They were like, this is going to be all guaranteed like every year. Because baseball contracts are guaranteed, but if he if he walks up to you and says, "Listen, listen, listen, listen. I'm going to defer 97 percent of this contract until after it runs out," why the fuck wouldn't you do this? Isn't this isn't just your run of the mill guy? This is a generational, once in a generation talent, a guy that can give you 13 wins a season and hit 50 bombs in a season. Like he is Babe Ruth. And they, they backed away from him. It's Henry, what the man. fuck? When it comes down to it, it's John Henry. You know what I mean? That's that's because there's no. It's not like there's a salary cap. Like there's literally no right. other explanation except that he doesn't want to spend the money to be a winner anymore. He wants to find a different way to win. And you know he's always been like that money ball kind of guy. Like he's always had that mindset. But like I just think it's lately it's just he doesn't. He, I feel like he's at a point where he wants to put the most cost-effective, manageable team possible. You know what I mean? He's not trying to build a contender anymore. He's trying to put a product on the field that is good enough that people will still show up, in my opinion. Because to be out that early is unacceptable. To be this big market and be be the first... Bro, we were the first fucking team out. Could you imagine... 
Like it would be pretty hard to try and sell a team though. If you know that you had six hundred eighty million dollars of a deferred contract, like yeah, that's fair. Almost all three quarters of a billion dollars just hanging out on the payroll. Do you think that there should be a salary cap in baseball? Yeah, I do. I do. I've always thought there should be because it's just absurd, man. Because it's like a team like the Dodgers, man, that shouldn't be fucking allowed. You shouldn't be able you that shouldn't be allowed. Like you're literally playing a video game. You know what I mean? Like they're sitting there with the salary, you know, like when you turn salary cap off, you're trying to get that big free agent. You just <laughs> you sit there with the right stick and you just hold it there until it, until it stops. And you're like, all right, guess that's what I'm offering you. That's what the Dodgers did. Right. So like for his, for his time playing in LA, they pay him $20 million total for 10 years. <laughs> it's actually really, that's really smart too, because uh, wherever he moves, when he gets that money, it'll be taxed as part of the income of wherever he lives. So, like, it won't be California state tax. So, it's it's really smart, too. Um, is that, is, is that not true? It's not true because the Dodgers will have to pay him. And the Dodgers are based in L.A. So, that's mm, where you work. That's fair. Like if you live that, in not where you receive you your paychecks. You, like, if you live in Hampshire, but you worked in Boston, you pay mass income tax or state tax, and you also pay the Hampshire state tax. That's fair. Doesn't have anybody. Uh, it happened to you, didn't it? But no, I never worked in Massachusetts, New Hampshire. Uh, if I'm a, if I'm gonna go all in, I'm gonna go all in. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take all of Massachusetts. You know, take that six point two five right up the ass. Yeah, love it. Yeah, what were we talking about? <laughs> oh, Tony, that's right. Um, yeah, man, it's <laughs> it, it's great. Um, yeah, I just. You shouldn't be able to have the two generational talents on your team and not have grown either of them. You know what I mean? Like that's that's just mind blowing to me. Is like they have these two guys now that are literally generational talents that like you don't see come along, right? You 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 watch them play baseball and you're like, oh, that guy's fucking special, and they just paid over like a hundred million dollars more than anyone else could offer. To get both of them. And it's just, <laughs> shouldn't, it shouldn't be allowed. So, yes, t- baseball years. 100% should have a salary. Yeah. Awesome. Well, PK, great to the show with you. Love Always having you on MTT Always. Boston. Uh, stay tuned for the for the Power Ranking show about to drop uh, later this week. I'm sure you'll be surprised with Cowboys Live. But for now, for MTP Boston, I'm Mike Margangelo for The Real BK, Bob Kelly. We'll talk to you in a little while. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. 
Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric Acid.